0: Hi, I'm Sarah Karloff, Boris Karloff's daughter, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond.
1: On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now... Here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 277 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This, like I said, is episode 277. It is the last episode of season six, and starting in September, we will have. Brand new episodes of On Screen and Beyond coming your way for our seventh season. That's right, September. We're going to take a two week uh, break here and then we will be back. And as we move into the seventh season of On Screen and Beyond, we're heading toward our 300th episode. And I want to make 100,000 people listening to On Screen and Beyond per day as our peak. Okay. We are up, we're over 92,000 people as our peak, but we want to make sure that we hit that 100,000 mark. And, uh, if uh, you know it'll help us get more people on the show it's all a numbers game really so the more people we have listening to on screen or beyond the better chance we have of getting some really great guests coming your way as we always have and we can continue that so i hope you can get some friends to listen to it somebody suggested that we have a day where we just turn around and we say okay this is going to be the day because we're 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 growing toward that 100,000 in a day But uh, everybody seems to be, every other day here, people are doing it more and more, listening to On Screen and Beyond, downloading more episodes and everything. So maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll come up with a date and say, you know, okay, let's all get on On Screen and Beyond and download episodes and, uh, you know, get the word out. But uh, we'll figure that one out. But anyways, uh, that's what we're shooting for. So help us do that. Tell more friends and get more people involved listening to all these great people who we've had on the show We've had over 276 people. This week is 277. And the guest is the daughter of Boris Karloff. That's right. Boris Karloff's daughter is going to be here. And I had the opportunity to uh, see a presentation that she did, and she showed home movies of her father, and, you know, we all think of him as the mummy and the uh, Frankenstein's monster and all that sort of stuff, but uh, it was kind of neat to see these home movies where he had, uh, you know, the makeup on, but he was interacting with people and friends and everything, sticking his tongue out, and it was just really, so if you ever get a chance, Sarah Karloff, if she's in your area, be sure to go check this out and listen to her presentation because it's really great to hear all the stories she has, and I had a chance to sit down with her and uh, talk with her and uh, now she's a guest on on screen and beyond so uh, we uh, hope that you know even if you don't get a chance to hear the presentation that you're going to be able to get it part of it right here at on screen and beyond so sarah's going to be coming up in a few minutes sarah karloff uh, so many things her father did uh, frankenstein the mummy and of course how the grinch stole christmas he was the narrator for that so uh, just a lot of good stuff it's coming up in a few minutes right here on on screen and beyond Well, we're going to be getting into Remake Madness Uh, this weekend. I had the opportunity to uh, see KC and the Sunshine Band. If you ever get a chance, be sure to see it because him and his band do a great job. And, uh, you know, he was joking about how he was getting on in age and... uh, you know, and how he's grown over the years. <laughs> and uh, But uh, he still puts on a great show, so if you get a chance to see KC in the Sunshine Band sometime, be sure to check that out. All right, what do you say? Let us get into Remake Madness next, right here on On Screen and Beyond.
0: Please hang up and try again.
1: Remake Madness, well, Ed Harris will star alongside Ethan Hawke in a modern remake of Shakespeare's Cymbeline. And the remake of Logan's run, which seemed to be fading away into oblivion, is now showing signs of life. It seems that Warner Brothers has assigned a writer to the project and Hugh Grant has joined the cast of The Man from Uncle and I'm not sure what role he's going to be playing but at one time Tom Cruise was going to be playing Napoleon Solo but he backed out and now Henry Cavell who played the Man of Steel Superman is going to be playing Napoleon Solo and Army Hammer who played the Lone Ranger will be playing Ilya Kuliarkin so that should be interesting that is it for Remake Madness coming up next on On Screen be Beyond what's coming away as far as new movies Upcoming new movies, well, a biopic of the life of 80s comedian Sam Kinison, called Kinison, will star Josh Gad, and he's the Tony-nominated actor from Broadway's Book of Mormon. And Samuel L. Jackson will be the villain in The Secret Service, and it's an action-adventure movie. Meryl Streep and Robert De Niro will join forces in a film called The Good House, and this will be the fourth film that they do together. That is it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond. We head down to Sequel City to find out what's coming away as far as sequels. Next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sequel City. Well, it looks like Mission Impossible 5 now has a director attached to it. Christopher McQuarrie, who directed Tom Cruise in Jack Reacher, is on board. And it's official. There will be three Avatar sequels. Avatar 2 will be coming your way in December of 2016. Avatar 3 will be coming your way December of 2017. And Avatar 4 in December of 2018. And Eddie Murphy has committed to making Beverly Hills Cop 4. That is it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen be Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, October 15th. Look for Anger Management Volume 2 with Charlie Sheen to arrive. And on October 17th, HBO releases its TV movie Behind the Candelabra with Michael Douglas and Matt Damon to DVD and Blu-ray. And HBO's Game of Thrones Season 3 will hit stores on February 18th, 2014. That is it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? Movies on DVD, we got some classics coming your way here. But right now, we're going to tell you about, on September 10th, Brad Pitt will fight zombies on Blu-ray and DVD as World War Z arrives. And The Hangover 3 will stagger into stores on October 8th. And in November, you can get the James Dean Ultimate Collector's Edition set on Blu-ray. And it's going to include East of Eden, Giant, and Rebel Without a Cause. Some classics for you. That is it for movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Beyond, let's take a peek at what's coming away as far as TV time. TV time. Well, Ellen DeGeneres will host the 2014 Oscars set to show on ABC on Sunday, March 2nd, and Amber Tamblyn will join the cast of Two and a Half Men as the long lost daughter of Charlie Harper. And that's uh, she's going to be a semi-regular on the show, I guess. And on uh, that's going to be returning on Thursday, September 26th. An American Horror Story Coven. That's the new name of the uh, American Horror Story series on the third season. And it's going to feature in its cast this year, Jessica Lang once again, Kathy Bates, and Angela Bassett. So that's it for your TV time. And now it's time for our guests to join us here at On Screen and Beyond. Boris Karloff is just a name that goes with classic horror movies like the Frankenstein series and also with uh, The Mummy, the original, or one of the originals anyways, and all those universal horror movies that we used to see. And uh, his daughter, uh, of course Boris has passed away, but his daughter... Is continuing his legacy she's going out and she's doing talks about uh, her father and she's showing home movies and, and showing what a real person he was and it's it's a lot of fun to see this and uh, I had the opportunity to uh, see it and if you ever get a chance be sure to check it out but coming up next right here on on screen and beyond it's Sarah Karloff Boris Karloff's daughter right here on on screen and beyond Today on On Screen and Beyond, we pay tribute to an actor known as Boris Karloff, who, as many of you remember, for his portrayal on horror films, most notably Frankenstein. But also as the voice of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, he recently was inducted into the classic movie Hall of Fame, located in Moraga, California, at the Ream Theater. And joining us today is his daughter, Sarah Karloff. Sarah, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you very much. Sarah, Frankenstein is such a classic movie. It's obvious that it had to be inducted into the Hall of Fame because it is just such a classic. How do you feel after all these years uh, about the movie?
0: Well, I mean, it's due to the fans that the legacy my father has has its long legs. The fans are just remarkable in their loyalty uh, to my father and to that film. That film was the perfect marriage of talents. It was... The base story of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, it was um, the brilliant direction of James Whale, it was the genius makeup of Jack Pierce, and then it was the portrayal, the the interpretation, and the, uh, the, the empathetic portrayal that my father gave to the creature.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a horror movie. But it's not like horror movies of today. Uh, you know you have no feelings for the characters that are in these horror movies now, but Frankenstein was one that you felt for the creature it, it wasn't his fault.
0: well, my father always said kids understood they were not afraid of the creature. they understood that the creature really was the victim and not the perpetrator and um, he he said that kids really weren't afraid they they gravitated to the side of the creature. he really was. He he, he was pushed into the behavior patterns that he adopted. Um, he was the victim.
1: Now, obviously, you didn't see him in the original Frankenstein, but I understand you were born when he did The Son. Son of Frankenstein.
0: I was born on my father's 51st birthday while he was making Son of Frankenstein.
1: So when you eventually were old enough to see the films and everything... What did you think? I mean, that's your father. Could you tell it was your father?
0: (laughs) I knew it was my father, whether or not I could tell it was my father. Actually, the first time I saw Frankenstein, I was 19 years old, and I saw it on television in uh, my living room, uh, my family's living room, all by myself. And by that time, I'd heard so much about the film, I watched it rather studiously, and I enjoyed it. And um, I really thought, hmm, that's Frankenstein.
1: I noticed on the film, in the opening credits, it does not mention your father's name. It just says the monster with a question mark. Is there any place else in the film that it, uh, that on the end credits or anything, I didn't notice that. Did they mention his name?
0: In the end credits, it does indeed uh, have my father's name, but um, my father wasn't even invited to the premiere of Frankenstein. He, uh, yeah. well, uh, one, <laughs> well, you know, uh, First of all, nobody knew how this film was going to be received by the audiences. It was a frontier film. I mean, it, it broke a new genre. Um, and the fact that it was such a, a, a smash success surprised everybody, including the studios, Two, my father was, um, had been around for 20 years and nobody knew it. He'd been in Hollywood for 10 years and he was the only person who knew it. Frankenstein was his 81st film and no one had seen the first 80. So it was anticipated that Colin Clive would be the star of the film, not the creature. And, um, so it's not surprising that my father was not invited to the premiere. Uh, no one would have recognized him anyway. <laughs> they certainly would recognize Colin Clive, but not my father. So he, he the first time he saw it was, in its entirety, was, um, my, well, months after it opened. And he and my mother came up to San Francisco to visit a school friend of hers. She graduated from the University of California at Berkeley, And um, they visited a a college friend of hers, and they snuck into, the three of them snuck into a theater where Frankenstein was playing. And my mother's name was Dorothy, and her nickname was Dot. And um, they sat in the back row of the theater, and the famous scene where the monster backs in through the doorway and then slowly turns around. My, um, My mother's college friend screamed, Oh, my goodness, Dot, how could you possibly live with such a monster? And of course, they had to leave the theater. So even then, my father didn't get to see the whole film.
1: Now, I have all kinds of questions, as you can see, written down here. But after watching the Q&A that they had with you, uh, I could have added three more pages. Because uh, watching the home movies that you brought in and the interview that was, has been rarely seen, uh, it, there's just so many things that come out. And we're so used to seeing Boris Karloff as the monster but the funniest thing that I saw was when he was in total costume and you saw him joking around sticking his tongue out it was just amazing and I got to thank you for bringing those because those were so great to see
0: oh well I love to share them because first of all that footage contains the only known to exist um, color footage of my father in the Frankenstein makeup they were taken on the set of Son of Frankenstein and they they show the genius of Jack Pierce really because that makeup is slightly tinted green, and he knew that if the makeup was tinted green, in um, in reality, in black and white, it would show up on screen as a deathly gray, which was the intent. Um, that was in, that was absolutely ingenious on Jack Pierce's part. This color home movie footage shows that. Mm. Uh, that's why, to this day, many many manufacturers make the toys green. Um, it, uh, uh, it also shows that my father had a lovely sense of humor, which he did, and it also shows he had a wonderful relationship with Jack Pierce, which he did. And uh, they had spent hours and hours and hours developing the makeup Jack Pierce had, Working on my father, and then that makeup took over four hours to put on every morning, and almost that long to take off every evening. And that film took eighteen weeks to shoot, so it was gruesome. Um, and my father was already a, had been a starving actor for ten years at that point, and he lost twenty five pounds during the making of that film, and he could not afford to lose twenty five pounds, so that. Between the home movies and the interview, you learn a lot about my father, the man, and a lot of questions are answered about how long it took to put on the makeup. Did he mind being typecast? And what his real relationship with Balen Lagosi was?
1: If anybody ever has a chance who's listening, and Sarah is going to be doing a presentation, be sure to go see it because it is just—it's—it's it's so fun to watch, and we learn so much. And, and you mentioned your father's uh, sense of humor. Uh, in that those clips, you had said that he had uh, shaved his head for a movie, <laughs> and then he did something else. So <laughs> can you let us know sure. about that?
0: He had had his head shaved for the role in Tower of London, and uh, one afternoon my mother left me in his care, and um, he thought it would be cute to have my head shaved, my mother didn't think it was so cute, but in the home movies, there are shots of me with my head shaved also. It wasn't adorable.
1: Now, we like I say, we always remember your father for Frankenstein, The Mummy, of course, uh, all his horror movies. But he actually was an actor who did a lot more than just horror films. Uh, he he did a lot of other films, and he did them very well. Scarface, for example. And, uh, body Snatchers. The Body Snatchers. Right?
0: Yeah. He did um, in excess of 170 films. He did a huge body of radio work. He had three television series of his own. Uh, he did 20-plus um, children's albums, uh, Hans Christian Andersen recordings, uh, Rudyard Kipling Um, wonderful, wonderful pieces of children's um, albums. Um, He did Radio Digest, five-minute excerpts um, every day for years for Reader's Digest on the radio. And then he did a lot of Broadway. He did Arsenic and Old Lace that ran 500-plus performances. He did The Lark opposite Julie Harris, and he was nominated for a Tony. Um, He did Peter Pan. He loved doing Peter Pan and having all the kids come backstage afterwards to try on his hook um he um he, he embraced the new medium of television he moved back to new york in 1949 when television was in its infancy and he um loved the challenge of live tv he was a guest star in all the prominent shows of the day and it got him to be able to spoof his own boogeyman image on some of the shows like carol burnett etc and he had a grand time in television uh, but he, he did legitimate theater, television, radio, recordings, uh, and then film. And um, he, some of the films he did later were like uh, the remake of The Raven and the um, comedy of terrors with Vincent Price and Peter Lorre and Basil Rathbone. And those old men had the best time on the set spoofing their own boogeyman images and playing practical jokes on one another. And and they liked each other, they respected each other, and they had a good time being the icons of horror and and having great fun doing comedic roles, spoofing their own images. I mean, he, was, he truly meant it when he said he was the luckiest man on the face of the earth being able to spend his life doing something he passionately adored and then be jolly well-paid for. Yeah. But he was most proud of the work he did as a founding member of the Screen Actors Guild. Right. Yeah. And his card number was number nine. So he felt it was most important to give back to the profession that had been so good to him.
1: In those days, uh, in the early founding of SAG, that must have been a little... It was goosey. (laughs) It was very
0: dicey. My mother told the story that um, when the couples would um, of the founding members would be at a party together, they'd dance by one another on the dance floor and whisper meeting Tuesday night at so-and-so's house because it was very dangerous... These men ran the risk of never working again. They were forming a union against the all-powerful studios. and uh, But these actors felt it was important to give a voice to the actors who had not yet reached a, uh, a position in their profession to speak out on their own behalf.
1: And it's benefited so many actors since then, and... Uh, the actor he was, and the the person he was, is just—it's no doubt he had to be inducted into the the classic film Hall of Fame. Thank you. Uh, I want to finish up with just one more thing? After he was, you know, in horror movies and everything, along comes How the Grinch Stole <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> yes. uh, and and basically it's him through the whole, uh, just him. Uh, once I think once you hear June Foray as <laughs> the little girl. <laughs> But basically, it was a one-man show.
0: Well, it's Tony the Tiger's doing the singing. Right. It's not my father.
1: Yeah, yeah. But um, that was quite a change from what we normally think of it. But this, that's another one of those films or show, shows that has cemented him in a lot of people's memory, uh, maybe even sometimes to some more than Frankenstein because, uh, you know, the age of, Yeah. Uh, and that move, that just goes on and on every year and every Christmas. Yeah. And he
0: won a Grammy for it. Yeah, yeah. So. And it's it's wonderful. It's a, a wonderful family um, part of our his legacy. Um, he called me the night that was going to air, and he said, "I want you to sit down with the boys and watch this." I had such fun doing it, and he he loved doing that.
1: Did he ever imagine? I mean, of course, he passed three years after. Uh, and did they show it three? Those three years I think before? they did, yeah. And, and, of course, now it's every year they show it. Uh, he, might, he would have been proud, I'm sure. He would have
0: been delighted because it was for children.
1: Yeah, such a classic. Well, Sarah, um, final question. Uh, did he ever mention, with all the movies that he ever made, did he have a favorite?
0: Oh, I think he had several favorites at different times for different reasons throughout his career. Frankenstein, obviously, for the pivotal difference it made in his life, both personally and professionally, after starving to death for 20 years. Um, I think the Val Luton films, um, uh, The Body Snatcher, Bedlam, and Isle of the Dead, because they were really fine films, and and he and Val Luton um, became good friends. They were both very well-educated, well-read, articulate men, and they became friends. And They were well-directed and and, well-scripted and good films, and he enjoyed making those. Um, I know later on he enjoyed doing um, the Comedy of Terrors and and the remake of The Raven because they had such fun on the sets. And then Targets with Peter Bogdanovich, uh, which was not literally his last film, but his last film of of merit. And he enjoyed working with Peter. He admired Peter's creativity and talent. Um, And um, he... It's a good film. It was pulled prematurely from the theaters because it's about a sniper, and it was released at the time of the Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King assassinations. But it is available on DVD now. And um, um, my father's philosophy and the message of the film is that the real horror is not up on the screen, but it's on the streets. And unfortunately, that message is as appropriate today as it was when the film was made. And um, my father has a monologue in, in this um, film that he did in one take, and the whole cast and crew stood up and applauded. And at that point in my father's career, that meant so much to him to have the accolade of his, of his peer group that it really made him weepy. Mm. And um, it's a good film, and um, uh, I recommend it to anybody.
1: Well, Sarah, I, I cannot thank you enough for sharing with us today.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: A big thank you going out to Sarah Karloff, daughter of movie legend Boris Karloff, and all the information she gave us about her father. It's just so interesting. He was such a great actor. Frankenstein, The Mummy, and all the other films that he did. And, of course, every year we hear his voice as the narrator, the narrator. Of Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And uh, just such a great actor. And we thank her so much for taking the time to talk to us about her father. So uh, if you ever get a chance, remember, go out and see her presentation because it is just fascinating. And that just about wraps up another season of On Screen and Beyond. That's right, 277 episodes uh, so far, and we've got more to come. We've got some great guests lined up for our seventh season, which starts in September. We're going to take a little break here for a couple of weeks, and then we're back with more great guests. So I hope you're going to keep listening. Tell a friend, uh, this is a good time when we have these two weeks off, that you get a chance to get, you know, all the old episodes and listen to them if you haven't heard them all, and hear some of those great guests, those great musicians, great uh, uh, TV stars and uh, movie stars that we've had. Just so many out there, and tell a friend. We got to get this going. We got to reach our. 100,000 listeners a day by our 300th episode. So I know I keep saying that, but uh, the only way is for me to keep telling you, uh, because there's new listeners every single day here at On Screen and Beyond. So I know those of you that are listening every week and everything, uh, I apologize for, for keep saying this, but uh, that's the only way we'll keep it going. So uh, I hope that uh, hope you don't mind. So what do you say? about time to wrap it up if you get a chance uh and you're going to be doing some purchasing from one of our sponsors go to onscreenandbeyond.com find out who our sponsors are and uh, just click on the ad that we have there that will take you to their site like you normally would go and uh, it helps gives us a little credit and uh, helps keep the show going Uh, helps us get some purchase more equipment and all that stuff and uh it'll help show out And you're not even going to do anything you do you, you know you do out of the ordinary if you're just shopping anyway so we would appreciate that and uh hope you'll do that and uh tell a friend about on screen and beyond like us on facebook and get the word out get it rolling and that's it that's a wrap for this week so we're going to take a couple weeks off and then we'll be back with the season seven of on screen and beyond in september So until then, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care.